dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. It's the same with the business leader today. If we look backwards, we can sometimes allow our mistakes to overcome and overcloud our vision for the future. Simon Peter obviously had to do the same. How did he deal with his own sinfulness and brokenness? How did he become a leader through it all? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise, and ever to rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you know, there's a saying that I like very much. It says that every sinner has a future, every saint has a past. And a lot of us sitting here today, you know, we, we come in, I think a lot of us, every single one of us sitting here today comes in with a past. I mean, if you didn't have a past, then you'd be the Blessed Virgin Mary and maybe St. Joseph. But I kind of doubt that there's anybody since who comes in with an immaculate past, right? I mean, most of us deal with the fact that even, you know, as Christian beings, we have a need of a savior because of our own sinfulness and our own brokenness. And if you were kind of wondering, you know, gosh, I don't think that that's the case for me. Well, there's no easier way to prove that you are a broken person than to assume the role of a leader. <laughs> you know, it's like that saying that says, you know, uh, praise goes down, but complaints go up. Meaning, if you're at the top, your job is to sit there and praise everybody else who's underneath you. And the ones underneath you, well, they get to look up and just take pot shots at you all day long because of your mistakes. And the fact is, you make mistakes all the time. There's not a single leader that doesn't make mistakes. The fact that you have to lead means that you have to do something no one else is willing to do. You have to try and dare to, do, to, to expose yourself and even with your flaws, because you're trying to bring your greatness out. It's like on, there's a flip side to every coin. And there's a downside to every leadership strength. So if you're really good, for example, at organizing meetings, you might be really bad at leading them. It's kind of funny. Why? Because all of your attention is on the details and the set and the process. And you don't have any kind of personality or spunk to be flexible. 
right? So if you're the leader and you're the leader of an organization and your strength is in organizing meetings, well, the meetings might not still be successful because people will go and then they'll say, oh my goodness, those meetings are so boring, right? I can't stand those meetings. There's absolutely no spunk. I'm going to lead this leave this organization because the culture is so bad. The leadership doesn't have any spontaneity. There's no life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they totally miss the point that the meetings are fabulously organized. They're down to the minute, you know, and they're always start on time and always end on time. And you have a perfect flow of ideas and everybody's sleeping. And if on the other side, you were to say, no, 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 my strength is that I am an inspirational person. I'm charismatic. I am, I'm able to, you know, cast a vision. Well, people would then criticize you saying, yes, he can cast a vision all day long, but the meetings were all over the place and he started late and he finished early. And, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I hate this workplace culture because in this workplace, everything, you know, it's exactly the opposite. And no matter which one you are, you will be criticized by the people working for you and the people that are following you. And, and, and even if it's not in terms of the workplace, if you, it's the same thing at home. You know, you can have the most maternal, loving, wonderful, you know, uh, spouse, the most wonderful, loving, maternal uh, mother in, in the home. And yet, just because it, that's exactly, as soon as she starts to really set the home culture, well, then people will say about her, maybe her own children will say about her, I don't know, that she was too smothering or that she was too, it's such part of human nature that we just have to accept it. The moment you start leading is the moment that you reveal to everybody else your weak points. And your weak points are usually the opposite side of your strengths. So your strengths will, will, will lead you when you exercise them to revealing your weaknesses. What are we to do? Well, the first thing is to be humble. I think of St. Francis de Sales, who, although he was a saint, you remember St. Francis de Sales, I mean, gosh, he's a doctor of the church, a bishop of Geneva, what a guy. He was known throughout, the, everybody knew that he was a man of extreme anger. And he would get angry, very, very much so, until with time and God's grace and labors and efforts, St. Francis de Sales learned to become meek and patient. He, he channeled that anger into productivity and into results and solutions. And when he did that, St. Vincent de Paul, who knew him, actually said about St. Francis de Sales, if he is meek, then it's impossible to even imagine how much meeker God could be. Because it seems like he is as meek as you can come. And that was a saint who said that. It's impossible to imagine that God would be any meeker than Francis de Sales. And yet this was the guy who naturally struggled with, with anger. But his leadership, because he worked at it and he allowed it to happen, actually transferred into virtue for him. Only though because he accepted it. There's nothing worse than denying your own weak points because you want to be God. I mean, none of us want to admit that, right? Because, but secretly that's what it is. When you want to be the perfect leader and so you don't lead because of your past 
and you look back all the time and say, I shouldn't have hired that person. I shouldn't have fired that person. I shouldn't have lost that money. I shouldn't have made that decision. I'm a bad leader. I'm a bad leader. And what's amazing is that people around you, they'll continue to say that. The employee that you fired two years ago will still walk around town saying bad things about you. And you're like, that was two years ago. And I don't see a single bad thing about you, but oh no, there you go. The walking around and then you know, I'm going to say bad things. This person is a bad leader. But, and you're just like, gosh, I had a perfect reputation and a perfect name in front of everybody until I started to do something with my life for others. But as soon as I put my gifts out there for others, I just become exposed. Now, it's also just a great examination of conscience, right, to not do the same. Because if we start looking at it, we're like, actually, I did the same thing to my former bosses, to my president, to, you know, to all the different people, my priest. To, to, to my wife at home, you know, here she was doing great things and she's trying and there I am making comments. Or, you know, or my wife at the business place. There she is, you know, knocking it out every single day in the business place. And then what, what am I doing? You know, I make comments, make criticisms. Folk, remember this. It's so beautiful and so easy to remember. Every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. The question is not, do you have a past? The question is whether or not you're going to allow it to have the last word. And St. Peter in Acts does not allow his past to have the last word. Instead, he speaks boldly. He speaks truth. And it's an amazing thing to see. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Let's take a look at where, where St. Peter speaks the truth and really reveals the greatness of his character despite his past. We're going to look here at Acts chapter 4. If you remember what happens here in Acts St. Peter heals the man who's never walked before, the cripple from birth, right? He's begging outside of the doors. St. Peter speaks. He, he heals him. The man jumps to his feet, bounds up and down, praising God, etc. And Peter then, a crowd assembles, and Peter speaks to them. And he does this remarkable speech all about how they have to convert their, convert their lives and believe in Jesus Christ. And Verse chapter 4 begins, As they were speaking to the people, the priests, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Wow. So Peter goes from, I'm going up to the temple to say my prayers, to spending the night in jail. Now this, I mean, already this is something for him, right? Because the jail where he's been arrested, if you notice, it's, this, it's the same jail where Jesus Christ would have been arrested and put into prison just two months earlier. Pentecost happens. Peter preaches. The community grows. Shall we give it three months, two months, three months time? He raises from the dead. You know, Pentecost comes. Everything happens. And then... Peter's now in jail three months later, and he's in the same jail that condemned Jesus Christ to death. That means Peter's life is on the line. He went from just a peaceful day in the temple to suddenly having risked everything for Jesus Christ. But many of those who heard the word believed, 
And the number of men came to be about 5,000. That's verse 4. And the next day, the day after the Sabbath, so this would be what? Sunday for the Christians, kind of an important day. The rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. So that's pretty amazing. Caiaphas and Annas, where did we see them before? Take a look at John 18. Annas and Caiaphas are the same two that spoke and condemned Jesus to death just two, three months before today here with Peter. This is a pretty deadly crowd. This is not a group of, of guys that are just like, you know, neutral. St. Peter is on the line here. And what will he do? If you remember going back to the gospel, when Jesus was in the prison in front of these guys, Peter was so afraid that he denied even knowing Jesus in order to save his life. In the gospel of Luke, it has the detail that our Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter, seeing him, broke down and wept bitterly. Now, we know later on, Peter repented, but it was too late. I mean, he could have gone to the cross with Jesus. He could have shown Jesus unwavering fidelity. He had promised Jesus at the Last Supper that he would do anything for him, even unto death, even if it meant dying for him. And Jesus had made that cryptic prophecy. Remember when he said, you, would you die for me? Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And that's exactly what he did. And he realized it, and he repented. And then in John, Jesus asked him three times if he loves him. Jesus, Peter says that he does. And Jesus gives him the commandment to feed his sheep. And I'll be darned, that's what Peter does. When you looked at the rest of Acts, you're looking at the story of a man who is fulfilling the mission that Christ gave him. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. And Peter does just that, putting into practice the Lord's word as a shepherd. And, and he rules over the Christian community. He's doing a great job. Now we know there's going to, he's not perfect. There's going to be some downfalls of Peter's leadership. We're going to see that later on in Acts 15. But right now in Acts 4, Peter's on a roll. He has stepped up. He has shown initiative. He has proclaimed hope. He has shown flexibility as he's in prison. And now he's in front of Caiaphas, the very man who put Christ to death, of whom Peter himself was deathly afraid just three months before. It's funny how God works, isn't it? It's funny how, you know, he doesn't seem to let us off the hook. Here's Peter with his death fear. Caiaphas, Annas, the high priests. And they're gathered here with John and Alexander and the whole high priestly family. Remember what these people are for, for the Jews. The high priest, this is God's representative on the earth. I mean, the high, the high priest is God's anointed. This is someone who speaks in the name of God. And you find yourself in front of him as a ne'er-do-well as a condemned person, as one in prison. And they're highly irritated with you. Imagine the, you don't have a Peter in front of you, you know. It's just Simon Peter is just like you. You guys are out there every single day. You're trying to make it happen. You're trying to work against the workplace culture that's toxic. You're trying to deal with a manager 
who's incompetent. You're trying to, 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 to push forward in, in fields and in, with initiatives, and then your initiatives get voted down. Your initiatives are laughed about, laughed at. Your talents aren't being used, right? And the temptation is just to become a cog in the machine and just, just cash in your chips to stop trying to be great, to let the light go out. And it's funny because it's, it's almost like God just won't give up. He, he just keeps putting you there. And, and you wish that like you could just get another new boss, get another new job, and yet it just follows you around, right? Challenge. And I think it's just, it's, it's almost like the way God wants it to be because here is Simon Peter. He's right back facing the exact circumstance which was his downfall earlier. He's in front of Caiaphas and Annas having to speak about Jesus. And God does this to us and with us on purpose. It's because in the end, he could have made our lives easy. He could have made our lives, taken all the problems away. He didn't. Upon the cross, he did not remove evil from the world. What he did was defeat evil from the inside, not from the out. From the outside, evil remains. We're harassed. Terrible things happen. There are all kinds of accidents that take place. The economy tanks. Evil remains in this world and we suffer from it. What Christ came to do is not take evil away from us, but to give us a spirit to bear it victoriously. Because then that evil has become food, right? For a fuel, so to speak, for the fire of the greatness of God's glory inside of us. And we don't look at evil anymore as if it had the last word. That evil becomes an opportunity. The suffering that I undergo because of it becomes an opportunity for a deeper gift of myself, a deeper uh, touching of my, of my greatness, an unveiling of something deeper inside of me. I'm able to give the best of myself through that suffering. That the hardship that God allows in my life is never to crush me down. It's to bring me to my knees to allow me to depend upon him and also by fighting through it and sustaining it with deep love to come to a greater degree of excellence and, and magnanimity in my soul. This is the, the awesome lesson that Simon shows us here as he finds himself after a night in prison standing square eye to eye, toe to toe, with the same people that he had run from in the past. Only this time, he's going to speak boldly. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. Let's take a look here. We're at Acts 4, verse 8. Simon Peter is standing in front with John, notice, in front of Caiaphas, Annas, John, Alexander, and all the of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, 
whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What a speech. What a scene. Peter's looking at the very same group of men of whom he had been so afraid that he threw Jesus Christ, his Lord, under the bus in order to save him his life from their grasp. And now looking at them just three months later, filled with the Holy Spirit, Simon Peter speaks boldly to them a truth that will set them free. Notice a couple things. Number one, he doesn't criticize them. He doesn't go after them. He doesn't fight them as they're fighting him with opposition and negativity. No, Simon Peter invites them into something that he has found, a truth that's bigger than him. In our own life, think about the way that you respond to conflict. It's almost like a lot of times we think we have to defend ourselves from conflict. We have to, you know, so, and when we do that, we fall, we fall into the trap. Those who want to distract us, to take us down, to move against us, what do they do? Well, they attack us, etc. And if we fall for it, we go in against them and we start going tit for tat and we try to defend ourselves. We only prove their point that in fact there was a problem. Peter hears what they say. By what name and authority are you doing this? And he could have said, well, why did you arrest us? We weren't doing anything wrong. Instead, he just simply says the truth. He is motivated by a love that's greater than him. And that love is for Jesus Christ, the name above all names, the only name above heaven and on earth by which men can be saved. And he puts it right in front. Of, it's so funny, right? It's like Simon Peter is sitting here trying to convert the high priest of Israel. I mean, talk about audacity, boldness. This is, he's his subject. This is the high priest who stands before God. And Peter is inviting him to go deeper in his faith than he has gone up to now. He's proclaiming a truth for the high priest and his whole family to believe in and to accept. My friends, look at, look at what's happening here. He doesn't have to fight against the high priest. He's, he belongs to a higher truth. It's almost like he's saying, look, you know, I might, you might think I have problems. You might condemn me left or right. I really don't care. I'm living for something else that's deeper than this. And I want you to live in it too. It's the joy of salvation and the one who has saved us. Jesus Christ, I announce to you. Look what happens. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. <laughs> they were astonished. They were taken aback what? at their boldness. Well, we're going to see the same thing, that same word, bold, being used when Peter's in front of the same guys again here, this time in chapter 5, verse 27. They, this time he's arrested a second time with all the other 12 apostles. And what happens? But the prison opens. Remember that during the night, they're freed. The next morning, they're, they're brought back in front of them to testify. And there in verse 27, it says, When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. 
and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Isn't that amazing? Peter doesn't counter attack with attack. He's above this. And, and what a lesson this gives us, right? You're not a leader because you are sinless. You're not a leader because you're perfect. You're a leader because you're courageous. That's why. And you've chosen to go boldly. And, and what you need to do, you need to keep going boldly. It's not because, it's not that it's easy that you, you're going to succeed. And it's not because there's no obstacles that you're going to succeed. And it's not because you're perfect that you're going to succeed. You're going to succeed because you never stop trying. You keep treading water. Why? Because that's the position God has given you for the sake of the others. And what this world needs more than anything else are men and women who are willing to take those hits and to be imperfect, but to keep pushing forward despite their imperfection in order to move the ball further down the field for the rest of us. You're amazing what you're doing. Aren't we glad that Simon Peter didn't sit back and just say, yes, everybody, I'm just a big failure. Yes, everybody, I don't know what I'm doing. Remember how I denied Jesus three times, you know? My past is going to dictate my future. Your past is, doesn't dictate your future when you belong to Christ. You give your past to his mercy you give your future to his providence and you give your present to his love. It's not a question of what happened in the past, everybody. It's a question of how, where you're going and the depth of where you, and that's the vision of the leader. Simon Peter looks right in the eyes of the very same people. And, I mean, just what bold proclamation, what muscular leadership he's demonstrating because he's not entering into the question of whether or not he's perfect. And he's not entering into the question of his past and his imperfections. He is leading the church forward by boldly going and pointing out to everyone what lies ahead. It's such a, a, a lesson. Keep your eyes and your hearts ahead of yourselves. Keep yourselves above the water where you belong because the rest of us are hanging on to you. And we need you to not go down. We need you to keep yourself upward bound like Peter does and to boldly lead towards what's good and right and true regardless of where you have been and regardless of where you have failed in the past. Glory to God who has saved us and thanks to St. Peter for such a great example. Share great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.